The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Sukkah has been dedicated by Celia and Isaac Jamal. Hashem Alehem Yehu Amen for the Hatzlecha of their dear children. May they see much nachat from all of them. May they all grow up and get married in the right time and have children healthily, happily with berachah vatzlacha. And may they see uh, descendants and descendants of their descendants. Ad bi'ad go'el sedek. Amen. The Masechet has also been dedicated Le'ilu Nishmat Sarah Bat Adel Ruah Hashem Tanihena Began Eden Amen Again by Celia and Isaac Jamal To school the mitzvot Today's daf has been dedicated by Mr. Isaac Shehbar In honor of his parents Jack and Marilyn Hashem Alehem Yichyu Amen Daf Lamid Tet Today's daf is being studied Le'ilu Nishmat Avraham Ben Esther Ruah Hashem Tanihenu Began Eden Amen Today's daf is being studied L'ilu Nishmat Tanifteret B'Kitsur Yamim V'Shanim Mazal Bat Frida Ruah Hashem Tanihenu Began Eden Amen Today's daf is being studied L'Rfu'ah Shelema For Cham Ovadiah Yosef Ben Gurjia Enna Rifanado Enna Rifanado בתוך שאר חולי עמו ישראל, וגם רפואה שלמה ברוכה בת אדל. אל נערפן עלה בתוך שאר חולי עמו ישראל. אמן. We begin today's daf on למד חטא עמוד בית, and we are actually three lines from the bottom. וגמרא says, אמר רבה, לא למה איניש ברוך הבא והדר בשם השם, אלא ברוך הבא בשם השם בעדדה. A person is saying the פסוק, ברוך הבא בשם אדוני ברכנוכם מבית אדוני, which is נהלל, he should not say it with a breath in between the words ברוך הבא and then בשם השם, which means you shouldn't say ברוך הבא, then take a breath, and then continue and say B'Shem Hashem. Hela, what should he do? He should say it in one shot. Now, what's the issue over here? So look at that sheet, two lines at the bottom. Mi she'en acher makre oto. We're talking about a case where he's not listening to somebody else read the Halel for him, like was customary in the olden days. We're talking about a guy he's saying it himself. He's alone, he's at home, he's saying the Halel himself. Lo lema baruch haba, don't say Baruch Haba V'yinshom and then breathe B'ntayim V'adar B'Shem Hashem Why not? De'lokayma azkara amiltad de'le'el Because it looks like the name of God Has V'yinshom is just hanging Which means you've taken it out of its context Because by pausing after the words Baruch Haba So it just sounds like when you say B'Shem Hashem B'Shem Hashem is just hanging It's not going back on what you said originally it looks like Hasbun Shalom is saying God's name the Batala, but when you say it in one breath, so that's obvious that the name of a God is going on the beginning of the Pasuk. Now again, if a person was listening to the Halil from somebody else and the Makre uh, said Baruch Abba, so the listener would be able to finish and say Beshem Hashem. Because there we have a rule of Shumaya Kaoneh. 
that when you listen to something, it's as if you're saying it. So therefore, that would not be a problem, even if you uh, breathe in between, because his saying and your response is considered all one. Well, if you're saying it together, one should be careful not to breathe in between. That's the opinion of Lava. Now, we skip the parentheses, and we go to the Amud Rishon, second line. Amar Rava. Rava came along and said, Lo lema inish, yeheshem Rava, vehadar mevarach. When a person is answering the Kaddish, he should not say yeheshem Rava, pause, and then say mevarach. Ela, yeheshem Rava, mevarach, badadeh. He should say it all together. Now let's analyze this part of it. This logic is, even though it's not the name of Hashem, but it's a reference to the name of Hashem. Let your name, let your great name, now, if you're going to pause and say, well, the context of the sentence is, let your great name become blessed. Blessed. So therefore you should not pause between and the word Mevarach because again it takes the words out of its normal context. And it's not the exact problem that we had above in the Baruch Abba Hashem Pasu. There was in Yan Hashem Hashem Labatala. You're saying God's name in vain. Here God's name is really not in the Kaddish. It's just Yeheshem But in order, since you are making a reference to God's great name, you should not pause between the words Yeheshem and Mevarach. Now, it should be noted that we learned in Masechet Berachot the opinion of Mahazor Vitri. Mahazor Vitri... They understood the interpretation of the Kaddish at this point. Shemeh is actually an abbreviation of two words. Shemeh stands for Shem Ya. And therefore, according to Mahazur Vitri, the interpretation of the Kaddish was Your name, Ya, Yudke, which is incomplete, because God's full name is Yudke Vavke, let your name, Ya, become a Rabbah. Let it become great. Now, this Gemara seems to oppose that opinion. Because according to Ba'azur Vitri, it makes a lot of sense to say, and pause. Because that is the complete, uh, that is the complete sentence, that is the complete uh, concept. So therefore, it makes more logic according to the other opinions that would say, that no, it's not saying Shem Ya. It's just saying God's name. Let your great name become exalted or mevarach. So that's the Hakamim do bring a, uh, a proof against Mahzor Vitri from our Gemara over here. Okay, so comes the Gemara and says... So Rav Safra comes along and tells Rava, Moshe, Shapir Kamart, Moshe, are you saying good? And as she says, this is Bitmiha. He's asking him rhetorically. Now, what is he referring to Rava as Moshe? He wasn't Moshe, his name was Rava. What does this mean, Moshe? So that she says, Gedolador. That was like a, uh, a nickname that they would give to the Gadolador, they would refer to him as Moshe. Just like Moshe Rabin was the Gadolador in his generation, so they would refer to him as well as Gadol, as uh, Moshe. I once heard, I brought down actually from the Tikkun Zohar, that they say, every scholar 
in every generation actually has a spark of the soul of Moshe Rabbeinu. And therefore they would always refer to the Tamidiyah Hakamim, even if the name wasn't Moshe, but you could always refer to a Tamid Hakam as Moshe, because in, uh, to a certain degree, he is Moshe, because he possesses the Nitzotot of the Neshama of Moshe. In any event, he tells him, Moshe, Shapir Kamat, which means, are you saying good? Which means, Rav Safra says, I don't agree with you. They tell me you can't breathe in between these uh, Pesukim. Ela hatam vehacha asuke miltahu. What he tells him is that, bottom line, you're just concluding the matter that you started with. And then, well, there's no problem if you breathe in between. What's the difference? Everybody knows you could, you, you, you're finishing the pasuk that you started with. That she says, Since the guy's kavana is to finish the pasuk, let lamba. There's no, there's no issue over here. So therefore, comes out we have a mahloket between Lav Safra and Rava. Are you allowed to actually pause in between Baruch Abba and B'Shem Hashem, or Yehesh Shemer Abba and Mevarach? Now, it should be noted. The mahloket is only can you take a breath, but everybody agrees that you shouldn't take a a pause longer than a breath. Even Rav Safra will agree, you know, you can take a breath which is normal and then continue the pasuk. But to make a, a very long hefseg, even Rav Safra would agree. Okay, so that's, that's that piece. Now the Gemara continues. Makom Now we learned, some had the custom in the Halil to repeat every pasuk. The reason for that was, is because at the end of the Halil, in the chapter Minam Mitzar, every pasuk in Minam Mitzar is actually doubled. Do you remember when we learned in yesterday's daf? Um, for example, the first pasuk, Minam Mitzar, Karati Ya, Anani B'Mirhav Ya. So you see, the double language. Uh, or you have Sabuni Sabuni, or you have Daho Dehitani, uh, etc. So every uh, pasuk is actually doubled. So therefore, to model the rest of the Halil, after the Minam Mitzar, they had a custom to repeat every pasuk. So the Mishnah said, if that's their custom, fine. Tana, we have a statement. Rabbi Kofel Ba Devarim. Rabbi actually was kofel by devarim. Rashi says meana vehala. She says he was kofel from ana Hashem Oshiana. From that part of the halil on, he was double. He would repeat the pasuk. He would say ana Hashem Oshiana twice, ana Hashem Oshiana twice, etc. Rabbi El Azar ben Parta, Rabbi El Azar ben Parta, mosif ba devarim. He would add. What does it mean, Ed? Rashi says, Mosif b'halil, Mosif l'chfol al kfilatot shal Rabbi. He would double more pesukim than the bee would do. Which extra pesukim was that? My Mosif, Amar Abayeh, Mosif l'chfol me'odecha ul'mata. He would start earlier. He would start from odecha ki anitari v'tehidi l'ishua. He would repeat those pesukim. Whereas the bee would start from after odecha. He would start from anashe mushiana, which is after... The Gebarat says that if Azam al-Partah, he would actually double from the Pesukim of Odechaki Anitani. should be noted that that is our Minhag as well, that we repeat, we double the Pesukim from Odechaki Anitani. Okay. 
And now we continue. The Mishnah continued. Levarech Yivarech. A place that had the custom to make a Beracha Aharona on the Halil, the Mishnah said they should keep their custom. It's a legitimate custom. Which incidentally is our custom as well. On a full Halil, we do end up with Yahalilucha. We say, Now, Amar Abaye. The whole discussion now, Mishnah, the Minhag, whether you make a Beracha or not, was only discussing the Beracha Aharona. However, Aval Lefanav, regarding the Beracha Rishona before the Halil, Mitzvah Lebarech. That's no question. Everybody agrees it's a Mitzvah to make the Beracha. Why? We have a rule when it comes to mitzvot. You're supposed to make the beracha over. Over is before. Before you uh, fulfill them. Which means, in the case of the alim, before you actually recite the alim, you would have to make a beracha. So that's a standing principle. So now the Gebra says, where is it mashma the high over that the word over lishnat de agdumehu? How do you know the word over means kodem, meaning before? Because that's the statement the rabbis made. Kolam mitzvot bevarech alen over laasiyatam. So really, the word over means kodem laasiyatam. Now, how do you know the word over means kodem? Says the Amar of Nachman Bar Yitzchak Tichtiv Vayarutz Achimatz. This is a story in the Navi. After Avshalom, the son of David, died, so they wanted to inform David that his rebellious son Avshalom was dead. So there was a Kushi, and he was planning on running to tell David the news. However, Ahimaatz wanted to be the bearer of the news to David. So it says, he ran ahead of the Kushi. So the Pasuk says, Vayarot Vayavor. He proceeded. He became in front of Etakushi. So you see the word Vayavor means to come before. That's what it means. Over Before you fulfill. Abaya gives a different source. Vihu Avar when Yaakov Abinu was greeting his brother Esav in that uh, uh, famous uh, meeting that they had, so it says Yaakov was in front and his wife and children were behind him. So the Pasuk says, He went in front of them. He went before his family. So again, you see the word Avar means before. Third proof. This is talking about when Mashiach comes. And their king, that means the king of Mashiach, he's going to go before the people, and Hashem is going to be above them. So you see from three different Pesukim, that the words over actually means Kodem. Now, some of the Mephashim asked the obvious question, so why didn't the Gemara use the word Kodem? Why use the word Oved? We have to go start now finding out what the word Oved means. Everybody knows what the word Kodem is. Just say, Kola mitzvot Kodem asiyatam. So for that, the Mepharshim answer, that if it would have said the word Kodem, so I might think you could make the Beracha very before. Uh, and that's not so. You're only supposed to make the Beracha right before you're about to fulfill the Mitzvah. So the word Oved is Masrach immediately before. That you shouldn't do it uh, quite before. Now, 
There's a very important Tosafot. Dibura Matchil Over La'asiyatan. The point of this Tosafot is, he's going to discuss, if this principle is correct regarding Berachot, how do we make the Berachan the Lulav? What's the question? Because once you take your Lulav in your right hand, and your Trog in your left hand, so already you fulfill the Mitzvah already. Because the Mitzvah is Litol, to take the Lulav. So how could you make the Beracha after you took it? So he's going to ask, how do you make the Beracha on Lulav over La'asiyatan? So Tosfot begins, over La'asiyatan. Meta'amze, sadiq levarech al Lulav kodem shi'itelenu. You're going to have to make the Beracha on Lulav when it's still on the table. Meaning before you pick it up. Di la'ashinat lo. Because if you're going to take it after you picked, if you're going to make the berakha after you picked it up, midagbehe. Once you lift it up, nafakbe. You yotze. Kedavrim besoperkin. Umiu lo mistaber klal. Tosfos I don't like it. Doesn't make sense. Deach yivarech alia vumunach bekli. How are you going to make the berakha and it's still in its vessel? I mean, the the, the lulav is sitting in the vase and the etrog is in the box. How can you make a berakha? It's not. It's too far away. We learned in Menachot Tefillin When do you make the Menachot the Tefillin? Mish'at Hanacha Ach'at Keshira Which means you place the Tefillin on your arm So it's prepared And right before you're about to tie it That's when you make the Menachot Vechol Sha'at Shana Mezvah Mezumenet Biyadol La'asot Lo Mestamei Klal Nevarech Alea Which means It doesn't make sense Why the Tefillin You're not going to make, make Laniyah Tefillin When it's still in the uh, When it's still in the bag so that would be similar to the, to, to the, to the to lulav. You're not going to make it when it's still in the, in the vase. V'shem me'shiyatchil l'itol lulav, kodem shiyitol la'etrog mevarech. Ah, so the Tosfog gives you option number one. Maybe take the lulav first, without the etrog. Just hold the lulav in your hand alone. So at least you got something of the mezvah in your hand. Now, after you make the berachah, v'ayinu ovel la'asiyatan, that would be before you fulfill the mezvah, shema'akimin ze etze. Because you don't fulfill the mitzvah till you take all four species together. So that would be one option. Hold the lulav in your right hand. Keep the etrog in the box. Just open it up so it's, you're prepared to, to take it immediately. Say the berachan and grab the lulav. Iname, option number two. Take both of them. Turn over one of them. Specifically, let's say it would be easier to turn over the etrog. Now, what is turning over upside down the etrog going to do? You're not yotzeh the mitzvah only when you're holding them in the direction that they grow. And then by holding your trog upside down, it's invalid. So therefore, very good option. Turn the trog upside down, make the beracha on the tilat nulav, so it's over la'asiyatan, and then flip it back over, and you're okay. Kedarshinan, perk lav araba, midikhtiv, atzeh shittim omedim. Okay, the pasuk says atzir shetim omedim. That's referring to the mishkan. Vafidu nakitu keder gedilatan. Third option, Tosfot says, pick up the lulav the normal way, pick up the etrog the normal way, and you can still make the beracha. How? You did the mitzvah already. No. If such yitkaven shelo latzit bo adachar beracha, which means you're able to have negative kavana. Which means, before you pick it up, you have in mind, I do not want to fulfill the mitzvah. That's just what goes on to explain. It's one thing if you had a path kavana, where you were blanket. A blanket kavana, you'll be yotzeh. But when you have a negative kavana, I don't want to be yotzeh. So therefore, you cannot fulfill the mitzvah against your will. 
Therefore, pick it up with a negative kavana. So the mitzvah didn't hit yet. Say the beracha, and right after you say the beracha, already you'll fulfill the mitzvah. So therefore, Tosfot gives us the three options in how to make the beracha on the lulav. Very, uh, very appropriate. It should be noted that according to the Mikubalim, uh, as brought down by the Benish Hai, that in every mitzvah, one should try to get mashaba, uh, the thought process working, kavana, dibur, his verbal expression, as well as maaseh, the action. And therefore, the beracha becomes very integral part of the mitzvah, as that would be his verbal expression before he fulfills the mitzvah. And therefore, one must be very careful when he makes the berachot, because that is, like I said, an integral part of the verbal part of his mitzvah, as well as the kabana that he has as well. Okay, so we continue now to the new and next, Mishnah. Comes the Mishnah. Now, before we read the next Mishnah, we actually have to give a sort of an introduction. The next Mishnah is going to talk about the laws of Shemitah. What are the laws of Shemitah? We know in Eretz Israel, in the seventh year of the cycle, it's called the sabbatical year, the Shemitah year, and there's certain restrictions regarding what a farmer is allowed to do with the crops of his field. For example, it's forbidden to plant, it's forbidden to prune, to harvest, and not to pick fruits from the trees, and um, there's other uh, isurim as well. For example, one is not allowed to do commerce with the laws, with the fruit of Shemitah. Which, what does commerce mean? Which means you cannot sell the fruits of Shemitah and then uh, that money becomes actually Kodesh. Which means if you sell the fruits of Shemitah, the Kiddushah of the Shemitah fruit goes on the money and that money has certain restrictions. You can only buy food with that money. You're not allowed to put it in the bank and save that money. Or you're not allowed to buy things that are uh, asud with that money. So therefore there's major restrictions on how you transact with the fruit of Shemitah. Now, it should be pointed out that the only thing you can do with the fruits of Shemitah is, if it's fruit, you can eat them, you can uh, drink from them, you can anoint your skin with them, you can use it as fuel, you can use it as dye, which means whatever is the normal usage of the item, until a certain point that is, you can use it. Uh, which means you're not allowed to take an item and destroy it, and use it not in its normal, uh, normal way. Uh, now it should be noted that even eating fruit of the Shemitah, is only permissible until a certain time. Which means that's called Sha'at Bi'ur. Which means as long as there's that species of fruit in the fields, so you're able to eat from that fruit in your homes. However, once the field, they run out of them, which means the crop is no longer in the fields, so they already have to get rid of them. It's called Sha'at Bi'ur. From your house. You have to dispose them. Okay, so that's basically uh, the introduction to the law of Shemitah. Now, what does it got to do with Lulav and Etrog? Well, obviously, uh, an Etrog is a fruit. And therefore, we're going to have to figure out, uh, what do we do during the Shemitah year? How do we acquire 
the Yitrog. So the Mishnah begins. Halokeyah lulav mehavero b'shevi'it. A guy is buying a lulav from his friend during the Shemitah year. Now when we say lulav, we mean the lulav, the hadas, and the arava. Now, uh, it should be noted uh, that Rashi uh, right away points out, Halokeyah lulav mehavero, lindir'eh, Halokeyah lulav mehama'aris karsinan. The right text in this Mishnah would be, you're actually buying the lulav from an ama'aris, from, from an ignoramus we'll call him, but really ama'aris in this context is somebody that's not careful in the mitzvot. Now, it says in the Gemara, so that's ama'aris, you want from an ama'aris. Now, it says, Halokeyah lulav mehavero b'shevi'it now. Rashi says, Ve'ama'aris legabe haber, which means you wouldn't say if a Tabir Hakam is buying from an Amaris, you wouldn't refer to the Amaris as his friend. Because the Amaris relatively is not the friend of the Tabir Hakam. So if we can't say, you're not my friend. You're not on the same level. Now, she just points out that the buyer must be a Tamir Hakam over here. Because if the buyer is an Amaris, she says, one Amaris is not going to consider his friend an Amaris. And therefore, and therefore suspect him for any wrongdoing. So if you have to say it's a Tamir Hakam, who's purchasing Lulav from an Amaris, so the Hakam obviously understands that the Amaris is suspected on certain practices, and therefore the Mishnah is going to have to tell us what he should do. Notenlo etrog de matana. So the Amar is actually, he can sell him the Lulav, but he's got to give him the Etrog as a gift. Which means that Tamir Akam, you're not allowed to pay for the Etrog. Rashi, Notenu Etrog Matana, Haver, Hakam, Shekoneo Shahanan Kulam Amaris, Peshwin Yibakesh, Tenu Etrog Matana. She didn't ask him, listen, I can't pay you for the etrog. I pay you for the lulav. Just give me the uh, etrog as a gift. Because for some reason, which the Mishnah is not telling us, we'll wait to the Gemara, you're not allowed to pay the Amaris for the uh, etrog. Okay? So we'll see exactly uh, the reason. Comes the Gemara and says, Let's say the Amaris, he doesn't want to give the Hakam uh, the um, gift, uh, the etrog is a gift. This is his business over here. And start giving away etrogim over here. So he doesn't want to give it as a gift. So what do you do? Amaravuna etrog balulav. So he could uh, charge him a little extra for the lulav, and therefore the price of the etrog will be included into the price of the lulav. For example, say a lulav is normally ten dollars, right? So now instead of charging him ten dollars for the lulav. I can up the price of the lulav. You charge him now $50 for the lulav. So now, in the price of the lulav, it's also including the price of the etrog. But Rashi points out and says, Compensate him for the lulav until the Abbas will give you the etrog for free. Which means he's still got to give you the etrog with matana. But you're just getting a, 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 a method how to get that etrog, the matana. Right? You, you pay him extra for the lulav. Now again, 
The Gemara did not tell us yet what the problem is. The Gemara right away has given us options and what, but we don't know what the Isud is yet. That's the Gemara's next question. The Gemara says, Hold it. Let the Amaris just give the... Let the let him give the Amaris money and buy the Yitrog. Which is, what are we talking about over here? Why is it Asur to buy the Yitrog from the Amaris during the Shemitah? Which is now the Gemara is going back to the source over here. What's the whole problem to this to start off with over here? You're telling me a guy goes to an Amar during Shemitah, oh, you got a problem. So the Gemara is saying, what's the problem? Let the guy pay money and let him give him his uh, Yitrog. So give her answer now. The fish ain't Muslim de Meferot Shivit Labares. Rule you're not allowed to give money to Amares to purchase produce of Shemitah. Yeah, what's what's the problem over here? Now, the problem is like this. The fruit of Shemitah is Kodesh. Good. Now, when you sell it. So the money that the Amaraz is going to get is Kodesh as well. When the Kiddushah have the fruit, transfers to the money. Now, you're only allowed to use that money for food items that you're going to eat uh, during the, uh, you know, during the uh, Shemitah year. However, you're not allowed to save the money. Which again, you can't take the money that was used on selling Shemitah product and uh, put it in the bank. And therefore, the issue is over here that you're setting up the Amaharis to sin. What do you mean? If you're going to give him the money for the Yitrog, we have Amaharis, he doesn't follow the Alakot meticulously at all. We're worried that he's not going to know what to do with the money. And instead of going to buy food with the money, he's going to take the money and put it in the bank. Now you cause them to sin. And the Torah says, You're not allowed to put a stumbling block in front of somebody. And therefore, the, it's a rabbinical enactment over here. Don't buy the Yitrog from the Amaharis of Shavi'i because we don't trust them that he's going to spend the money the right way and therefore you cause them to sin. Now, uh, Tosfot goes a step further. Tosfot says we're worried that he's going to, he might buy stuff that's a suit with it, like uh, non-kosher animals, uh, real estate, clothes, stuff like that, that are not food items. And therefore... I mean, that doesn't mean that she's arguing with that. So we're just giving uh, examples over here. And therefore, that's the Isur over here. So the Gemara says, how do you know that? Because we have a Braita. One is not permitted to give an Amaris money to buy products of Shemitah. Yoter mimizon shalosh se'udot. Aha. Which means, you're not allowed to give him more money, more than it is to buy three Saudot. Which means, if the Amaris is selling product of Shemitah, you can't buy it from him. But, there's a cap. How much money you could spend. You can only give him as much money as it would take him to buy three Saudot. What's the logic? Because, let's say you're buying the goods on Friday from him. Now we know on Shabbat you have to have three Saudot. So if you buy the goods on Friday, you could assume he's going to take the money. Let's say each Saudot has $10. So yeah, you buy a product, give him $30. So you could assume with the $30 is going to go on Friday and buy his Shabbat food. Right? He has a meal for Friday night, Shabbat afternoon, Shabbat morning, Shabbat afternoon, three Saudot. Once already the rabbis allowed you to buy up to three Saudot. So they said, you know what? Not only on Friday. When you buy any day of the week, they'll allow you to go up to 
three seudot. All right, let's read Rashi. Yotem mevazon chalos seudot. Actually, let's read the first Rashi. The end Muslim de meperot. The Torah amra because the Torah says leochla. You can eat the fruits of shemitah v'lol leschora, but not for business. Shekol perot shviit hayavim letbaer b'shviit. Not only you have to dispose of the fruit, but you get hen utbehen. You got to dispose of the monies. Veloshi asebem shorato. Can't use the money for business purposes. Latsliyal da'ar shviit. Yeah, to save it till after the shviit ula ashir, right? To become rich. The Amehar is Hashudim al Kach. The Amehar is suspected on that. The Fichach in Muslim name Damim Nikah Mehem Klum be Damim de Kabir Alifne Ayved. You can go against the sin of Alifne Ayved. You're setting him up for a sin. Not the Temichol. Yot and Mazon for Saudot. Avad Mazon Gimel Muslim. You're allowed to give him money for these three suits. Can they hayav? That's in order to can live. The Ikal Emad is on the Shabbat. Who said it? You can say he's buying it for Shabbat. The Chemad Shutah be'ayim Shabbat. What's when we allowed him to sell it on Friday? So the rabbi said, you know, the whole week you can sell them up to three se'udot. So comes the Gemara and says, V'im masar lo. Now, <laughs> let's say the Tamir Hakan, he made a mistake. He gave him more. Let's say, I told you the cap is $30, three se'udot. He bought uh, fruit, $50. So he went over the limit. <laughs> so now, you're going to have to somehow <coughs> take the sanctity off that money now. Which means, that money is now in the Amaharis' possession, but it's, it's, it's Kodesh now, it's Shavuot money. And we suspect them to spending it for the wrong thing. So the Gemara says, you could actually take the Kiddushah off that money and place it on the uh, fruit that's in your house. It means Hakam has a fruit in his kitchen. It's not Shemitah fruit, it's regular fruit. But he's got he's to he's save the Amara some sin. So what does he do? He says, the Kiddushah, the money that I just gave him, let that now transfer to my fruit that's in my house. Look at Rashi. V'im masalu, sheshakla'u masalu, yomar haver zeh, shemasalu, ma'ot alalu, shemasalu, l'amare zeh. What's that alif? The alif says, v'hala kesarich lomar, alim kedushat shivi'it. Which means, the Rashi holds, that the actual fruit, that the haver has in his house, is going to become, Kodesh of Shivya'it now. She's, it's a legal transfer. Tosfot, however, argues on Nashi. Tosfot says you can't do that. You can't uh, transfer uh, something that's not in your possession. See, now the money's already in the Amaharis' possession. What are you doing? You're transferring that uh, money to uh, to the food that's in your house? So what does the Gemara mean? The Gemara says that actually this is a penalty. Really, those food are going to remain Shemitah. But because you went against the rabbi's law and you sold them when you shouldn't have sold them, the rabbi's going to tell you the fruit that you have in your kitchen now at home is going to become shivrit also now. We're putting a, a, a penalty on you because you did wrong. But you really can't make a legal transfer. It's because we have a fantastic about looking at the shivrit's foot over here. Is this a legal transfer or is this like a knas that the gave you because you sold it uh, the wrong way? In any event, the Gemara comes along and says... Now the Tamir Hakam has to eat those fruit that are in his house with the sanctity of Shemitah, which means 
He's got to eat it, drink it, whatever, whatever he's going to do with the Shemitah fruit, that's what happens to this guy's uh, fruit as well. Look at that she on top. Uba! Haver perot ner. And all the normal ways of benefiting, she'ena na'ota mutarot be'enke l'farish. Okay. Comes again and says, Ba'be'e devarim amurim. That which we said, you can give him for three meals. When is that said? Belokeya benamufkar. Oh. That's only when you're buying from an ama'aris that abandoned his field. In the rule, in another law of Shemitah. The law of Shemitah is, you're not allowed to protect your field with a fence. You're not allowed to guard your field. Once Shemitah comes, all the produce and all the fields are considered hefker. And therefore, when do we give you a, a dispensation to buy from the Abahadah Shemitah fruit up to three meals? That's only if you know the guy's following the laws. That's about a guy where at least you see the guy knows something. The guy at least abandoned the field, he made his field hefker. Alright, because then already you see that the guy's he's doing something, which means the guy knows something. However, Aval Shumar, if you buy from an Amahari that has a locked gate around his field, then the Gabbard says, Then it's forbidden to even buy a half an Isa's worth. Why? Because you see that this Amaharis, he's not following anything. And therefore, we don't give you any dispensation. Even a half a isal, even a half a dollar's worth of fruit, we're not going to let you buy. Let's read Rashi. Third line. Rashi says, You saw clear that it's from an abandoned field. Right, the Amaz is not guarding it. So since already you see that, we see that guy's not suspected. Once already you see he's following something. Right, the guy at least knows that you got to keep the field there. Which is, it's like a... The guy's still Amaris, you can't forget that. We're still doing Amaris. So once already you see he's following something, the rabbis tell you, okay, listen, you can buy up to three Saudot. But more than three Saudot, we're worried that the Amaris is yet is going to kick in, and when he gets all that money, he's going to end up saying, you know what? I want to store it. I want to save it for uh, putting in the bank. So therefore, the dispensation of three Saudot is only when you see the Amaris does something to a certain extent. He, you know, he, at least he abandoned his field. Next Rashi. She said, The guy has a fence around his field. And a locked door. So this guy over is not following the law. He's not uh, banning the field to the poor people. Correct. Now he's tricking around and he's going to sell his fruit. Uh, so this guy over here is a wise guy. So he's selling his fruit now. He wants to get some money to save it. Then already we don't allow him to even buy the smallest amount. Okay? So that's the opinion of uh, Rashi. Okay. Comes the Gemara and continues. 
מטיב רב ששת. רב ששת has a question. ומן המופקר שלוש סעודות ותולה. When you're going to a hefker field, you can only buy up to three seudot and no more. Would mean we have a contradiction. What's the contradiction? Hafegam vehayarbusin vehashitim vehalaglogot vakusbar shebearim vakarpas shebenearot vagargir shel afar peturin min amaser. ונקחין מכל אדם בשביעית, לפי שאין כיוצא בהם נשמר. אוקיי, let's give the interpretation to these type of vegetables over here. I'm just going to give you the English to these over here, and you see what they are. פגם, they explain it as רו, ירבוזין as סורל, שתים and חלגלוגות, שתים is asparagus, and חלגלוגות, Purslane. Kusbar Shebe'arim is mountain coriander. And Karpas Shebe'arot is river cress. Gargir Shel'afar is meadow rocket. What's the common denominator between all these things? So the deen is Piturin Mina Ma'asir. They're exempt from Ma'asir. Why? Let's read Rashi. בכל השנים, all the years of the Shemitah cycle, you don't know מעשר on them. כדי מפרש טעמה שאין כיוצא בהם נשמר. Nobody protects fields of these items. שאין חשובים על הבריות. It's not, these are insignificant vegetables. ומפקירים אותם לכל. Anybody that has a field of these items usually abandons it for everybody. והפקיר פטור מן המעשר. Oh, important rule. Things that are abandoned, you're exempt from ma'asir. How do we know that? Dikhtiv. Uba'a levi, who gets the ma'asir? The levi. Ki en lo chelik benahala imach. Says the levi who does not have a share in the land, he will get ma'asir. Bedavar she en lo chelik benahala imach, yitol ma'asir otav. Yatsa efker leket shakau pe'ah sheyesh lo chelik imach. Which means, he only gets ma'asir from stuff that he has no piece of. However, Hefkeh, he has a piece of, he's like everybody else. So therefore there's no Ma'asir on that. Again, the Torah says, he only gets a piece of the action on fields that he has no Chilik with you. But if he has a Chilik with you, how can he have a Chilik? If you made it Hefkeh. So he's no different than anybody else. So therefore those fruits over there are exempt from Ma'asir. Now, what else are they uh, exempt from? Well, it says, V'nikahim mikol adam b'shiv'i'it. You may purchase these items... From even in Amaris during Shemitah, Rashi, Venikahim mikol adam b'shivit afagav b'shivit naga b'mufkarin. Even though the kedushav shivit applies to abandoned fruit, v'pteshein kayotze b'hem nishmar, which means, because bottom line, uh, all these uh, fields are uh, uh, abandoned. V'abin lokeiach mina mufkar. You're buying, you're taking from Efkeh, but it's, it's kedushav shivit. That even though you don't know for sure that these fields were Hefker, you could assume that these fields were Hefker, the end derech l'shomran, like we said, not the derech to protect them. Hefichach, Muslim no demen, you could go to the Amar, let's say he's, uh, you know, uh, uh, selling these uh, fruit over here, you could pay him. 
And we don't suspect that he's going to take the money and store them. Alma mufkar masrinan tuva. Here's the point. From this bright that's mashma, when you're buying something that was from a hefkefi that was left abandoned, you could buy as much as you want. You just told me what you got up to three seudot. From this bright that's mashma, no. On these produce over here that are really hefker items, you could buy as much. There's no limit, right? Because it says nikhin. Nikhin, you could purchase stuff. Didn't tell you how much you could purchase. You could purchase as much as you want. So the Gemara, that was the question of Rav Sheshat. Again, you understand the question? The question was, you told me above that what? From an Amaris, if the field is abandoned, then already you got the three Saudot dispensation. You can buy up to three Saudot. So what are you talking about? Here's Masra from abandoned fruit, you can even buy as much as you want. You don't have to only buy up to three Saudot. Right? That was the uh, question. So comes the Gemara and says, No. Rav Sheshat asked the question, and Rav Sheshat answered the question. Man means sustenance. Which means, when we said you could buy from the Amaharis, we didn't mean unlimited amount. According to his sustenance. How much is his sustenance? Well, the maximum sustenance that he needs for a given day, at least on Shabbat, is what? Three Saudot. It's only talking about the shi'ur of his sustenance. Now, how do you know the word man means mezonot? And the king provided uh, Daniel and his friends sustenance. Vayman. They provided them sustenance. So you see what? That they really it's only up to three Saudot. Now the Gemara goes on to the next point. Gemara says, hold on. Gemara says, Lulav Nameh. Lulav Nameh. If so, we should have the same law by the Lulav. Look at that she. Iyakhe de'em Muslim de'em shifayit amahares. If you don't have to give money. We should be able to buy the lulav. Which means the palm tree also the shemitah laws applied to it. So the Mishnah made it like there's no problem with the lulav. The only issue we had was the yitrog. What are you talking about? There's a problem with the lulav also. So the Gemara says, Lulav bar shishita nechnas al shivi'itu. You know what type of lulav we're talking about? Where it grew in the sixth year. And you just cutting it in the seventh year. And the law is, since it grew in the sixth year, so already it has a deed of sixth year produce, even though you're cutting it in the seventh year. It's not Shemitah goods. Which means, uh, the Shemitah starts in Tishri. Okay? Sukkot is 15 days later. We're assuming that the Lulav didn't grow from Rosh Hashanah until uh, Sukkot, 15 days. It must have grown before Rosh Hashanah. So there you go. It's not, it's not a Shemitah... Uh, lulav. Uh, look at Rashi. It didn't grow from Sukkot. Now regarding trees, a tree you follow it according to the year that it sprouted. According to the Hanata, that's when the bud came off, 
and the tree started to, to emerge. So therefore, since the uh, budding took place in the sixth year, it's considered the sixth year. And therefore, no problem of Shemitah. So Kanzigamaran says, Tanata. Kanzigamaran says, okay. So, etrog dame bat shishit hanechles l'shivyaiti. Oh, say the same thing about etrog. When you think the etrog grew in fifteen days, the etrog also must have grown in the uh, in the sixth year. It emerged in the sixth year, and then now when you're buying it, so it's why do you have a problem of shemitah at all? Like how around the seventh year you're buying an etrog that emerged in the sixth year, just like you said by the lulav, right? So the Gemara answers now etrog batar lekita azlina. Oh. When it comes to an etrog, you follow when it was picked. I give them rules now. Lulav, you follow when it emerged. But an etrog, it goes after when it was picked. Rashi, etrog batal kita azdinat, dehaluk mishar ilanot. Etrog is different than all other trees. Vidino kiyarak. We treat it like a vegetable. Now by vegetables, it goes when it's picked. Shalchob batal kita. Because netrog is similar to a vegetable, because both have a common denominator. They both grow next to water. It's not sufficient the rainwater that it gets. It needs to be uh, grown next to water in order to get extra water. Regarding wheat and trees, it can suffice on rainwater. The etrog gadil al kol mayim. It needs all the waters. Shemashkino to tamid keyarak. You have to water it plus the rainwater. So that's the opinion why your etrog is subject to shemitah. So the Gemara says, hold it. Ve'a ben Rabban Gamliel uben Rabili Ezer. What are you talking? According to the opinions of uh, Rabban Gamliel and Rabili Ezer. Le'anyan shvi'it regarding the laws of Shemitah, etrog batar hanata azlinan. Etrog goes after the emergence of the fruit. So what are you telling me? You're telling me no, it goes after the kita. What are you talking about? We have no opinions like that. We have the opinions of Rabbi Diazir uh, and Rabbi Gamliel. What were they arguing about? So let's review. During the Shemitah cycle, the first, second. Fourth and fifth year, Aveda. One, two, four, five. One must give Maasir Rishon to the Levi. Maasir Shini, a second Maasir, he takes the Yerushalayim and he eats the year fruit. In the third and the sixth year of the Shemitah, he gives Maasir Ani. Okay, instead of Maasir Shini. Now, so every year you have to know where you're holding so you know exactly which Maasir are you going to. Uh, give. Now, how do you judge the year of a tree? So, both Rabban Gamliel and Rabbi Yehazah, they say that the year of the Yitrog, you start counting from when the Yitrog emerged. That's already considered year number one. In order to know exactly which year you're going to be in, so you know what you have to give Ma'asir Ani or Ma'asir Sheni. Okay, whereas vegetables go to the year they were picked. So the Gabbana is asking the obvious question, what are you talking about? You're telling me why it all goes after when it uh, is picked. It's not so. You have the opinions of Rabbi Diaz and Rabbi Gabriel and Rabbi Diaz. They say, How do you know? 
Etrog is similar to a tree in three ways. And a vegetable in one way. It's similar to a tree in three ways. That Regarding the laws of Orla, that means the first three years, the fruit is off limits. The fourth year is called Neta Reba'i, which is Kodesh. You have to take those fruits up to Yerushalayim and eat it. As the Dina Masir Sheni Reba'i. And regarding Shemitah. And what are they similar in? That you start counting the years after the Hanata, when the fruit emerged. And it's similar to the Yarak uh, in one way. How? Shibishat Likitato. Esuro, which means that the status of taking ma'asir is what? Shibishat nikitato, at the time that you pluck it, the picking, like the vegetables, right? That, that, that's similar. That's according to the Gamaliel. However, Rabbi Eliezer Omer, etrog davar. In every respect, even regarding ma'asir, it's treated like the ilan, that what? It goes after the hanata. And therefore, the discussion over here was regarding ma'asir. She's the mahloket between the bangam and the bilya'izu was what? How do you judge an itrog for ma'asir purposes? Does it go after the uh, hanata? Or does it go after the lekita? However, regarding shemitah, there was no mahloket. It's masked by that by Shemitah, everybody agrees it goes after the emergence. It goes after the Hanata. And therefore, we have a contradiction. Because again, we just said, we just told you what, that regarding the Etrog, the Etrog's talking about it emerged in the sixth year. So we said, so what? Regarding Etrogim, we don't go when it emerges. We go when it was picked. What are you talking about? We only have a mahloket by ma'asir. Does it go after the emergence? Does it go after it was picked? But by shemi'it, and it's mashma, everybody agrees it goes after when it was, uh, when, 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 when it emerged. So therefore, your trog is really a 60 year trog. Alright, so the Gemara answers, So basically, with the, uh, and uh, Gemara is going to tell us now is that our Tana is following another Tana, not to be the Ezer and not to be Gamliel. The Tanya we have a Brayta, Amar be Yosef, Abtolmos Eid Mishum Amisha Zekenim. Abtolmos testified in the name of five Zekenim, Etrog Achar Lekita LeMaaser. That the Etrog follows the picking Lekita regarding Maaser. The Rabotenu Nimnu BeUsha Vamra. The Rabbis in Usha, the Yeshiva, they ruled and said Ben LeMaaser, Ben LeShivayit. Therefore, that's the opinion. Not only Maaser goes after Lekita, but even the ones of Shemita go after the Lekita. So the Al-Mishnah is following the rabbis of Usha. That what? That it goes after the picking, and that's why when you buy from an Amaris in the seventh year, you got a problem. Because it was picked in the seventh year, and then that's considered Shemita fruit. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen, Amen.